Welcome to Your Key to Orlando Real Estate. This podcast brought to you by the experts of the Orlando Regional Realtor Association is your go-to listening for all things home buying and selling in Central Florida. Our podcast is released on the second Tuesday of every month, and we'll be bringing you what you need to know if you're thinking of buying or selling a home anywhere in this area. Tune in for topics such as qualifying for mortgages, staging your home to sell, considering new construction options, and so much more. Of course, we'll take a quick look at the current state of the Orlando housing market and its influence on buyers and sellers. You can look forward to a new realtor host for each edition of Your Key to Orlando Real Estate. Hi, I'm your host, Realtor Denise Pullman, and I have been in the business for seven years and I specialize in residential real estate. The impact of the COVID-19 pandemic has now stretched into the mortgage industry. In today's episode, we'll go over additional steps that lenders are now taking as part of the mortgage approval process for prospective buyers. We'll also touch on how sellers can use this knowledge to evaluate the relative strength of competing purchase offers. The pandemic has changed my day-to-day interactions with my networking sources and how I show homes. I'm using more technology, doing more video walkthroughs, and trying to stay connected with my customers by virtual means. While I greatly enjoy face-to-face interactions with my customers, I, like other realtors, are keeping the safety of our customers the top priority. We're making use of the recommended processes and actions designed to keep you safe and to help stop the spread of the virus. Today, I have with me Tom Powell with Movement Mortgage here in Orlando. He has been in the mortgage business for over 25 years. I've known Tom for over 15 years as a friend and worked with him for over seven years. He is here today to help us understand what is going on in the market today with lending and changes that are happening due to the pandemic. Tom, thanks for joining me this morning to answer some questions about how the mortgage lending is changing. How have the mortgage lending guidelines changed as a result of the pandemic's impact? Hey, Denise, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. It all depends really on the lender. You know, I know I can speak for Movement Mortgage, the company that I work for. When this pandemic first happened, there was so much confusion and so much uncertainty that they just absolutely just started laying out guidelines that just shocked us all. I mean, we wasn't sure how we were going to close a loan. But the two biggest changes that I saw was credit score which is very sensitive because, you know, credit scores, it's hard to get credit scores up in the 660 to 700 range. And when they change that with an overlay, it now takes people that did qualify, all of a sudden they don't qualify. So that was really tough to deal with. And also down payment was another, another guideline or an overlay that was added. And, you know, obviously first time home buyers, uh, a majority of the Americans don't have a, a huge down payment unless they're selling their property. So again, you know that that put a little bit of stress on us. But I've I've noticed a, a loosening up since they reopened. Our credit scores have went back down, not all the way to where they were, but they're they're going back down with uh, some of the economic news that we're getting. And loan to values have also gotten better. We still have the three percent conventional, three and a half percent FHA, and zero percent for the uh, VA. So again, it's it's really company by company, how they're going to do it and how they're going to view the risk level of each loan. But uh, it is getting better. And I think it will be back to normal in the next couple of months, two to three months. Okay. And how do how the changes to mortgage lending guidelines affect sellers and their evaluation of purchase offers? Yeah, that's a good question because, you know, you you as a listing agent, which you uh, you have a lot of listings and it, it becomes very emotional whenever you have an offer come in and you accept that offer uh, in hopes that it will make it to the closing table. And, you know, it's I, th- I think it's all communication, really. I, I, you as a listing agent, you have an offer come in with a pre-approval letter. Um, the first thing that I would do 
with that pre-approval letter is call that lender and I'd, I'd ask a series of questions. You know, one of the things we look at right now, when I take an application, I look at the person and I, and I see what kind of job they have and what the risk is of them possibly being furloughed or laid off. Are they a frontline worker? Are they essential worker? And, you know, I kind of know in my own mind that, you know, they're going to continue to have their job. So that communication between you and that other lender that has the buyer is essential for just kind of knowing and setting the right expectations for the sell of that property. If someone is in the process of applying for a mortgage but was furloughed, how will this affect their application? Well, this has happened quite a bit. And movement is at the, they're at the stance. And I think uh, a majority, if not all the lenders, if a person comes in and applies for a mortgage and gets an approval, they're approved based on the job that they provided at the time of the the approval. So, you know, you're, you're going along with the approval and the buyer goes in and puts an offer in on a house. They're still working. And then, you know, the offer's accepted. Then they get furloughed. At that point, movement mortgage will not close a loan when they're furloughed. Um, it's impossible because of the uncertainty. Underwriters are basing their decisions on past experience of uh, job performance and future. But when you're furloughed and we're in the, we're in this pandemic, nobody really knows. So, Movement stance on this is that if they are furloughed, we cannot close the loan until they're back to work at the same capacity as to what uh, before the, the pandemic started. That's how we're uh, looking at this. Okay. If someone applied for unemployment because working less hours than before, would that affect the loan process? Yeah, it does. It's, it kind of refers uh, back to your third question. We're, we're pre-approving somebody based on what they, what they have provided at the time of the approval. And if that changes by any means at all, the underwriters don't, they don't have anything to hang their hat on. You know, it's easy for somebody, for an underwriter to say, this guy has, or this girl has a 40, 40 hour a week paycheck, making 18 bucks an hour. This is what they make per year. We can back that up with year to date paycheck stubs, W-2s for the past two years or whatever it might be. Underwriters are, it's very easy for them to make that decision. But now all of a sudden, if you throw a monkey wrench in where, oh, okay, their, their hours have got cut. Now they're, they're showing a paycheck of 24 hours. Oh, but they're drawing unemployment. Well, we all know that unemployment's going to run out. So there's no guarantee there. So an underwriter is not going to be able to close that loan based on the information they've gotten because it's there's just no certainty there. There's got to be certainty uh, within what these underwriters are looking at. So let's say that they have something under contract and that happens, um, that they get less hours. How, how does that work with the seller? Do they do like an extension or what have you seen with that? They have the new COVID-19 addendum that that came out when this first started. And I think that's a lot of that is because of this furloughing that's going to be happening. The the jobs are shut down. And so we extend, you know, we extend it in hopes that the people will go back to work. And, you know, when you are furloughed, you're, you're pretty much going to go back to work. It's just a matter of getting yourself out of this pandemic or out of this, I guess, sequence of the pandemic and getting back to work. Now, again, if you're furloughed, you go back to work and maybe there's not as much work there. You know, maybe the hours have been cut. That, that's a problem. Okay. So again, underwriters want to see you back to work and they want to see you working at the same capacity that you were working before the pandemic started. Millions of individuals and families across the country are facing financial hardships during the coronavirus crisis. Are there any mortgage relief options available? Uh, yeah, there's, there's stuff out there. I mean, the internet is full of, you know, different information uh, about, you know, the coronavirus bill that passed. And, you know, I mean, if you want to go in and read a 
a thousand pages or whatever, you can do that. Or, you, you know, you can go to your lender and find out what options they have available. I think the most popular right now that I'm seeing and that we're talking about at Movement Mortgage is uh, the forbearance. Right now, I, you know, I was on a call yesterday and, and uh, the guy was uh, talking about this and, and, and it's pretty serious because one out of, he's saying approximately one out of 17 homeowners are doing this, this forbearance. And forbearance is something that's been pushed out and you'll see it on banks' websites, you'll see it everywhere. And the way I view this is, let's say you do lose your job. And let's say you have a family that you have to feed and you cannot make your payment and feed your family. You know, in that situation, we know that we got to we got to feed the family. OK, so um, that's a legitimate reason for someone to enter into the forbearance process. If somebody is working or they've got a savings and they can't they can't afford to you know, make, make those three or four months that you know they're going to be out of work payments, um, I would highly, highly recommend them making that sacrifice and continuing with their mortgage as normal. Um, I want to I share a personal story with you. Back, uh, I don't know, a few years back, one of the hurricanes hit. My mortgage uh, business was cut, you know, in half, if not more. And I was in a, in a state of desperate where I, I just couldn't make my payment and feed my family. So being desperate, you know, I really didn't look into any of the, the fine print with forbearance. You know, I just wanted to do it. So I went to my mortgage company and I, and I asked for it. They said, yes, you can skip three months payments. No, it's not going to affect your credit, which it did not. And so what I did is I went out to the mailbox when my fourth payment was due. I was back to work and, you know, doing okay by this time. And I opened the mailbox, opened the letter, and there was in bold print at the top, it says, we are a debt collector. This is an attempt to collect a debt. And, you know, I'm just like, okay. And then I looked at the payment that was due and it was all four payments were due. And I was like, I can't make four payments. There's no way. So there's something wrong here. So I went back to the house and I got on the phone and I called the mortgage company and they said, well, yeah, this, this money is, is, uh, is owed to us. And I'm like, okay, what's my options? And they said, well, your option is that you can, you can apply for a loan modification. And I said, a loan modification. So what do I have to do there? And they said, well, you have to submit paycheck stub, three months, recent bank statements, your W-2 from last year. So it was almost like applying for a new mortgage. So I went ahead and did that. Uh, and I later found out about a week and a half down the road, two weeks that I was denied the modification. And I think one of the reasons why I was denied is because my business, my last paycheck that I got was was pretty good. You know, we got back to work, things were getting normal. And so I asked him what my option since it's denied. And they said, well, you have a couple options here. You either make all four payments or your house could go into pre-foreclosure. I don't want to lose my house. So I ended up borrowing from my 401k. So in that situation, you know, I, I think if it happens now with a, a lot of these people out of desperation, you don't read the fine print and the questions aren't asked as to what happens if and, you know, what if this happens? It becomes very serious. You don't want to put yourself in a situation to where all four payments are due. You get denied for your modification. Now you have no place to get the money because that's going to affect our market. That's going to take properties and people are going to be forced to sell quick. They're either going to go into foreclosure, which we know drives our market down. So there's a lot of concern within the mortgage industry right now of these um, these forbearances. You know, you're not going to see the impact right now. You're going to see the impact probably six, seven, eight months down the road. And like I said, one out of 17 homeowners are entering into this forbearance. Okay. How, how would you go about, about applying for that if you decided you wanted to do that? Well, you contact your lender. That's what I did. You know, I went to NationStar, who's my lender, and boy, it was really easy. They're just, you know, when, you, when you're facing a crisis like this, they're, they're almost forced 
to give you this forbearance, but you, you have to remember forbearance and forgiveness is, is not forgiveness. Forbearance is you're forbearing the payment and it will be tacked on if you get approved for the modification. So answer to your question, go to your servicer and they'll be able to uh, direct you. All right. Thank you for joining us today. Any final thoughts you want to share? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, personally speak, I think we're going to be in pretty good shape. I mean, as far as a, a loan officer, my business is good. My purchase money uh, business is good. You know, I read uh, in Orlando Realtors magazine that the sales are still up and, you know, there's not been a decrease that I've seen. And I think it went back three months. So that's that's positive. Even through the pandemic, you know, I'm, I'm still seeing an increase of compared to last year. So that's that's basically what I looked at. I look at last year, uh, same time, and I look at this year, and we we do have a slight increase. So to me, that's that's positive. And I, and I think a lot of what's going to happen down the road is it's remain to be seen. We just don't know until it happens. Thanks for being with us today, Tom. And I just want to say to all our listeners to have patience if you're applying for a mortgage or if you're selling your home um, during this time. It might take a little bit longer. Buying or selling a home in Orlando's competitive market can be both exciting and complicated. That's why you need me. I'll use my local market insights to help you find the right home or buyer and my negotiation expertise to get you the best possible price, all while supporting you every step of the way. Who am I? I'm a realtor, and I'm the key to buying or selling your home. Learn more at orlandorealtors.com today. Brought to you by the Orlando Regional Realtor Association. I'm sure all of our listeners, whether you're in the process of buying or selling a house or thinking about getting started down that path, have concerns about the Orlando real estate market as a result of the coronavirus pandemic. It's important to remember that we're in a global pandemic, not a real estate recession. Orlando is a vibrant destination in great demand to new residents, international homebuyers, and investors. While we know that we're in for a short-term decline in activity, we're confident in the long-term strength of Orlando's real estate market. Now for the numbers. April marks our first month to show the expected decrease in sales due to the COVID-19 pandemic. A total of 2,393 homes sold during the month, a tally that is 28% less than the 3,329 sales in April 2019. The median price of our Orlando homes sold in April was $263,750, which is a 12% increase compared to April 2019. The increase can be attributed in part to a fantastically low interest rates, 3.2% in April, that boosts buyers' purchasing power and allow them to buy homes with a higher price tag. The decline in sales is helping to slow the pace of Orlando's year-long inventory slide. Compares to April 2019, the number of homes on the market decreased by 3%. However, compared to last month, there is a 4% more properties available. There are currently 7,659 homes listed for sale. Our housing market numbers are provided by the Orlando Regional Realtor Association. Visit orlandorealtors.com for more information. Tom, thank you so much for being our guest today and sharing insights about current changes to the mortgage approval process for prospective buyers. If you are looking to buy or sell a home, go to orlandorealtors.com for information. You can also find a realtor today or browse properties in the Orlando area. Don't forget that a buyer's consultation with a realtor is free and using their expertise will keep the buyer or seller informed with how the market is changing. 
We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Your Key to Orlando Real Estate. Join us on the second Tuesday of every month for more topics related to buying or selling your home. Make sure you hit subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, rate and review Your Key to Orlando Real Estate and tune in for episodes on the second Tuesday of every month.